Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. Ever since coconut water burst onto the U.S. market several years ago, Americans have been enthralled, not just with the quote-unquote enhanced hydrating power of the nut to help stave off nasty hangovers or boost recovery from an intense workout, but with all things coconut. We use the fat for a fast, low-carb energy boost by adding it to coffee and smoothies. The meat is used in all kinds of snacks, from trail mix to vegan bacon to decadent desserts. And the milk is an increasingly popular dairy alternative used in food service and sold in stores. And while manufacturers of coconut products are reaping the rewards of the ingredient's sustained popularity, the farmers and suppliers are not. In fact, many coconut farmers and producers lived in abject poverty. This imbalance is not just bad news for the people of the Philippines or the Caribbean or other coconut-producing regions. It also could be bad news for manufacturers and consumers because many coconut farmers do not have the resources necessary to keep up with demand, meaning a shortage could be looming in our future unless something changes quickly. To learn more about the challenges threatening coconut farmers and the supply of one of the hottest ingredients in the U.S., I chatted with representatives from Fair Trade USA and the Peter Paul Philippine Corporation, which teamed up together in 2013 to improve the lives of coconut farmers and workers, protect the environment, and help ensure sufficient supply for the in-demand coconut products. Jessica Custer, a senior supply chain manager for Fair Trade USA, described the nonprofit's coconut program and why it's necessary. Fair Trade launched our um, coconut program in 2013 with Peter Paul as our um, first and flagship partner. Um, and we did that at a time when coconut products were starting to like, boom on the market, right? We're seeing like the proliferation of coconut water. Um, and we, it, it kind of, you know, as we walk up the West and see the trends, we were like, oh, what is this? What's happening? Um, where does this product come from? What do the supply chains look like? Um, and as we were able to dig into that a little bit more, we found out that most of the coconut comes from the Philippines, where most of it is grown, 95% of it is grown by smallholder farmers. Um, over 3 million, almost 3.5 million smallholder farmers in the Philippines get uh, coconut water and flour and BCO to the market. Um, and so when we dug into that a little bit further, we were able to understand that that community of coconut farmers is also uh, living in, in, in conditions of extreme poverty in most cases, despite the fact that um, that, that uh, product, coconut, actually is a huge product for um, the Philippines itself. Uh, most There's like between 40 and 60% of po- poverty among coconut farmers. So we thought it was a really incredible opportunity to get brands at the end of the supply chain buying coconut to partner across the supply chain through fair trade certification with a partner like Peter Paul, um, who could help support those farmers at the very beginning of the supply chain. And with support from early manufacturers, including Naked Coconut Water, Coco Libre Coconut Waters, and others, Fair Trade USA is able to help farmers by offering a community development premium between $40 and $90 per metric ton for each coconut sold. These funds are invested in much-needed community projects, 
which Yona Amador helps oversee at eight fair trade coconut farmer groups, or clusters as they're called, in the Philippines. She explains that as of October 2016, the program includes more than 4,000 farmers and covers about 29,000 hectares of coconut cropland. She explained that one of the fund's major projects is coconut planting and replanting. So um, most of the coconut trees in the Philippines are very old, so about 60 to 80 years old. And so these coconuts have um, decreasing productivity as they grow old. That drop in productivity from aging trees not only drains resources from already strapped farmers, but it also is contributing to the threat of a coconut supply shortage, especially as demand for coconuts continues to ramp up. Jessica described the threat posed by the uneven supply and demand. So I think one of the um, challenges we're seeing in the future is this, because of this excitement around coconut and these new innovative products, um, there's production for demand to be outpacing supply um, because the trees are really old, because uh, smallholder farmers don't have a lot of resources on their own to be able to replant and renew production. Um, there's a, there's the latest uh, kind of citation I have seen is that uh, demand for coconut products worldwide is growing around 10%, whereas supply growth is quite stagnant and growing around 2%. So at a certain point of time, we can imagine there might be a challenge, a bit of a crunch between uh, all these new and exciting products um, and the demand for those and what's actually able to be supplied because the capacity of smallholder farmers is not being really supported except in programs where they're actually being uh, supported by the processor and help uh, facilitate it to formulate uh, cooperation within their community so that they can invest in, in more solid, brighter kind of futures for themselves. Angie Crone, a business development manager for Fairtrade USA, also noted that pressure on the supply chain comes from an emerging coconut-based home and personal care product market. A lot of coconut oil actually goes into an oleochemical market, and so we find these bases, or what they call derivatives and surfactants, end up in our home and personal care products as like a base. And so that is leading also, like contributes quite a bit to the supply and demand gap. And so when, as we see not just a growth in these coconut products, we also see a growth in green cleaning products, and typically those plant-based products are using coconut. So uh, we've noticed that like consumers in particular don't quite know what a plant-based product yet, and so I think palm is very well heard of, um, but coconut is the next like, popular um, ingredient. So that also contributes to the demand and supply Through the Fair Trade USA funded planting and replanting program, though, more than 400 farmers in the Philippines have replaced about 98,000 seed nuts and 316 farmers are receiving incentives to ensure 100% survival of those seed nuts, which take about five or six years to mature to the point of harvest. Jessica described the impact and significance of these figures. What's a really interesting or important thing for us, you know, kind of from the Fair Trade USA side, is when we think about scale, um, the program that Peter Paul has, has implemented and supported is 
so incredible to us because they've leveraged the fair trade model to bring farmers together, um, empower those farmers' voices, and create uh, community-determined planting and replanting projects that are actually community-driven as well. So they have uh, structured this investment such that farmers from their own communities have gone and gotten capacitated through uh, the partnership that King was mentioning with the Philippine Coconut Authority, um, have returned and they've invested in seedling banks. They've invested um, then in those farmers being technicians that go around to different communities and determine how much open space is there, how many trees need to be replanted, and then they're tagging those trees with GPS so that they're tracking for the future. Um, they have incentive programs for their farmers who are replanting trees to make sure they're taking care of them. They're going to be growing to the point in five and seven years and they're actually going to produce and help augment the supply and augment the uh, livelihood of the farmer. What I think is really important to note is that um, King and Yona and Peter Paul, they work with over 4,000 farmers. There are three and a half million coconut farmers in the Philippines. And so when you think about all of the incredible work that they're doing, um, it's making a huge difference in those communities and it's making a huge difference for the supply of those farmers. Um, but what about the, the, the bigger picture? And that's where I think um, we need, we, we're, um, you know, considering how do more uh, coconut brands and coconut buyers of these very innovative, high-value products feed the, the need in the value and in investing in programs like Fair Trade that Peter Paul has, has rolled out. So how do we get more support to those programs so that they can continue to be driven through Peter Paul and also expand it to other farmers? Angie agreed, but says she might even go farther than Jessica in her optimism for Fair Trade USA to help these farmers avoid a shortage, and create a stable livelihood. Yes, I'm totally optimistic we can fix it because I think, like, we're humans and we are, you know, very innovative and can fix anything. Um, but it also requires consumer. And so I think the power of their trade is that it really does connect consumers back to the producers on the ground. And it's that consumer support when they see the fair trade deal um, to buy that product, vote with their dollars, um, that then goes back to the producers so then they can make these, like, incredibly wise decisions Beyond the planting and replanting program, Yona explained that Fair Trade Fund also allows farmers to establish feeding programs for their communities. She explained that many children in the farmers' and factory workers' homes are severely malnourished, and through a feeding program, they're able to eat nutritious meals prepared by their parents and teachers. So far, about 1,600 malnourished children have benefited from the program since 2014. The Fair Trade Fund also is used to create a scholarship program to pay for the education of farmers and factory workers' children. For the current school year, it's helped about 170 high school and college students pay for their tuition. The fund also goes towards a lending program, farmers' insurance, and contributes to a calamity fund to help cover costs when storms, landslides, earthquakes, pests, or droughts strike. So a lot of problems there that this program is helping address. Fair Trade USA also recognizes that participation in its program needs to be a two-way street that also offers benefits for manufacturers that sign on to source their coconuts from their certified farms. 
To this end, Angie noted that the consumer awareness of the fair trade seal has jumped dramatically from 59% last year to 67% this year. This means more consumers recognize the added value of the seal on products and in many instances are more likely to support those brands that are fair trade. Angie attributes this jump in awareness to several factors. I think one way is through just increased availability of products, particularly in the CPG space. So in this past year alone, we launched over 900 products. That's compared to just about 550 in 2016. So there's increased presence of our logo and whatnot on store shelves, which I think you know accounts for a good portion of that. And then I think the second component is consumer education. So throughout any given year, Fairtrade USA runs a number of dedicated educational campaigns around different product categories. And the idea of this is really just to um, show consumers kind of like what the issues are behind products we buy every day and then how a simple purchase can make a difference. And I'm pleased to actually say that we will have a dedicated coconut campaign this summer that's designed to help drive awareness to some of these issues and also highlight the availability and different products that coconut is used in. Jill Clark, a communications specialist with the Fairtrade USA, described the campaigns, which she said also add visibility to partnering brands. Usually it will have a strong social media component, we'll have a series of dedicated posts to a particular topic that collectively tell a story maybe throughout a given period. A lot of times we'll draw on our influencer network too to help kind of spread the word in uh, different channels, places where maybe we normally wouldn't have access. So there's that. Um, a lot of times when we have a campaign, just depending on the scope, we'll also have a dedicated like landing page where we will drive consumers so that they can click through at their own pace to learn more about some of the dishes different issues. One thing that manufacturers get is just increased visibility. Um, you know, we try really hard to just talk about our different products and make sure that they get a lot of love um, on their social media handles as well. And I think that a lot of times that does translate into increased purchase. And even if it isn't like a direct correlation, you know, just having that positive association with a particular brand I think can be super powerful for other brands getting the word out too. Jessica also added that partnering with fair trade farmers can foster loyalty between suppliers and manufacturers, which is especially important at the threat of a supply shortage. King Panamaban, an associate vice president of Peter Paul, agreed. Our coconut uh, farmers uh, uh, become uh, loyal to us. So uh, the, uh, the favorable supply, the continued supply, uh, to us by our coconut farmers is, is there, you know. So unlike during those times that uh, whenever somebody or the competitor offered a certain uh, price which is, uh, well, plus one or plus two, you know, they immediately shift uh, to other uh, uh, players. So, and, uh, But with all these uh, projects that they are uh, thinking, that they, are, uh, they, they have and they are enjoying, so... Uh, they think twice before leaving us with a price difference of, say, few centavos. So uh, there is this uh, loyalty that developed among our coconut farmers. So I think that's, uh, well, on my part, considering that I handle the, uh, the, the sourcing of raw materials, so that's very uh, well advantageous on the part of myself and my group and of course on the part of the company as well.
So overall, a lot of benefits to farmers and manufacturers alike from sourcing fair trade coconuts. And as one of the many masses of people who loves all things coconut, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that the efforts by fair trade and the farmers it works with will stave off a dreaded shortage so that I can keep sipping my coconut water in the summers to come. For Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, this is Elizabeth Crawford.